We're already in week five of our going viral series. Hard to believe. I mean, this summer's flying. This is already week five of the series. Last weekend, uh, our family, we were on our way back from Ottawa. We drove to Ottawa on a Wednesday and drove back on a Sunday. So that was a quick trip. And uh, we were out there to celebrate uh, Gala's father turning 70 and uh, had a good time with their family. But I heard that Pastor Mike Tapper did an awesome job here last Sunday morning. Is that true? Is that true? Where are you, Tapper? Oh, you're trying to leave. What are you leaving for? Now, now he's stuck in an open door. Do I leave or do I stay? You can leave. Make sure you come back. All right. We have a great team here at Bunkton Wesleyan. We really do. God has brought us some awesome people. Unsolicited appreciation for staff. I like it. You're a great church. And uh, every single person on our staff is doing a phenomenal job. And I want you to know that from my lips. They're doing an awesome job. Going viral is the term that you use for something that has gone bonkers on the internet, right? Something that the whole world has seen. Everyone is talking about it. You know, you get to work and somebody says, have you seen this yet? Have you seen that? That's what, you know, something that's gone viral. And we're using the term for this series as we look through, uh, travel through the book of Acts uh, this summer. And looking at what caused the church and the message of Jesus to go viral. Why did Christianity and the message of Jesus just skyrocket out of the first century? Uh, Even in the face of extreme persecution, there were people who were trying to stamp it out. They were trying to kill it out. They were trying to burn it out. And even in the face of extreme persecution, it still skyrocketed out of the first century. And what can we learn from that? What can we apply to our own lives so that my life goes viral for Jesus? And what can we apply to Moncton Wesleyan so that our church goes viral for Jesus? So that we can see Jesus go viral in Moncton and greater Moncton and our communities um, in, in our generation. So we have this down front today, the baptismal tank. Is this cool or what? Do you like this? This is cool. I've been talking about this for years. The, the original plans, when we first started talking about um, building this, this facility that you're in, we, I don't know if any of you know this or not, but the original plans were to put a baptismal right here underneath the stage. And when we were doing baptisms, we were going to open up these secret trap doors and, and voila, there would be this baptismal tank right here in the stage. And uh, for a lot of reasons, that couldn't happen. And so I want to do like near and far on Sesame Street. Anybody? Y'all to right. Far. Right? Near. And, and for a long time, I've, I've, I've just felt like the baptisms were so far away. I mean, this, this, this room is big enough as it is. They're in like another, another zip code, Right? Another area code, and I wanted, you know, the water and the full effect. So you folks visiting from Toronto, you're in the, you're in the splash zone. <laughs> Did you bring rain jackets? You'll probably move a little later on. But I wanted the full effect of the water right down, down front here. So we, this is a borrowed baby, um, and uh, I can't tell you where it's from because the church that loaned it to us doesn't loan it. But you could help us buy one of these things. 
uh, if you want to help us buy one of those, talk to me after church, and I'll, I will, I will uh, help you write that check. That would be awesome. So before the day is done this morning, or the day, uh, I'm believing that many of you who are here today uh, that need to be baptized will, are you still smiling? Will be baptized in this pool uh, today. So we're moving through the book of Acts. And this Sunday landed us in Acts chapter 8. And the theme, I think, the, the major theme that jumps out, that, that splashes out of Acts chapter 8, I think, is baptism. And it just landed on this Sunday, the long weekend in, uh, in, in the summer. And so I think that God led us to the right text and the right theme for the right crowd on the right Sunday. I'm believing that today, okay? All right. Those of you who are clapping, I hope you're planning on being baptized, I think, right? All right? All right. So Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Let's put that up on the screen. Acts 8 gets off to a real happy start. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. It starts off on a real happy note. And Luke wants us to be clear about the, trans, the, the, the transformation. Oh, just back to Acts 1. Whoop, there we go. The transformation of this guy, Saul. You know him as Paul. And from the beginning here, Luke wants us to be clear about the transformation that happens in Saul, the church persecutor, who becomes Paul, the church planter. And one of the reasons the church went viral after the resurrection of Jesus is because of undeniable, radical transformations like this guy, Saul, who's standing here agreeing completely with the killing of Stephen. They're stoning Stephen. They're literally throwing large rocks until the man is dead. And Paul's there agreeing with it, nodding his head. And Luke wants us to be clear about the transformation of guys like that. Everyone knew who he was. He was a well-known Pharisee. He was a public personality. And, he, and, and Saul made it his agenda to find, terrorize, and even martyr every Jesus follower that he could find. And Paul, or Saul's, encounter with Jesus and the difference between who he was before Jesus and the difference between that and, and who he became after Jesus, it was like lighter fluid on the early church. So when you see radical transformation happen in someone's life, you want to know, like, what, in the, what, what happened? Tell me about it. Like, because we all knew you as this person. And then something must have happened because now you are a completely, totally different person. Jesus should make a difference in your life. And the people who know you best should be able to see the difference that Jesus makes in your life. And so the transformation in Paul's life was, woof, it, was like, it was like lighter fluid on the early church. The premier persecutor of the church became the poster boy for church growth after his radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, chapter 8, if you, as you move through chapter 8, Luke unpacks the persecution that the church was facing. Believers were being scattered. Stephen, a key member of the church, was stoned to death and buried. The church is on the run, but it's not going to run and hide. That's clear in Luke chapter 8. If anything, 
the church runs and shines. It, it's running. I mean, it's scattering. And there's a lot of persecution happening. But they're not going underground. They're, they're running and shining at the same time. Let's look at verse 4. Everywhere they went, Luke says in verse, verse 4, the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. So they were, they were running and shining. Like, I'm running for my life. And people are out to kill me. But let me tell you why this is really good news. They're trying to, to kill me. They're, they want to stone me. They want to burn me to death. They want to burn me at the stake. They want to feed me the lions. And let me tell you why it's good news. And you should believe this, you should believe this too, right? That's what they're doing. Now, you wouldn't do that for a myth. You wouldn't do it for a hoax. You wouldn't do it for a... Yeah. Maybe you would only do this if you were sure that hundreds of people had face-to-face encounters with the resurrected Jesus, right? Yeah, and it was so obvious and it was so like you met the resurrected Jesus. You knew he was fully crucified. He was fully dead. And there he is standing in front of you fully alive. And then you, you, you can't deny it. So then your only choice is to, is to keep sharing the story, this good news. He's alive. He's the Messiah. He is God's son. He's who he said he was. And that's, and that's what they did. They kept sharing that everywhere they went. And in this season of persecution, Philip goes to Samaria. And he starts teaching about Jesus. And God does some miraculous things. And Luke says in verse 8 of chapter 8, that, that great joy came to the city. That Philip goes to Samaria and he's preaching Jesus. And, and, and God's doing all these crazy things. And great joy. I mean, highlight, underline, underline, great joy. Now, let me see your teeth. Anybody out there got some great joy because of who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in their lives. I mean, if you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart, don't forget to tell your face. Huh? All right. In verse 12, he tells us that many people, men and women, were baptized. In verse 13, a guy named Simon the sorcerer believes in Jesus and he is baptized. Word gets back to Jerusalem that the people of Samaria are very open to the good news about Jesus Christ. And so the church says, wow, uh, something like revival's broken out in Samaria and God is blessing. And so we're going to send Peter and John to go help Philip out with the work uh, that's happening there in Samaria. Okay, we're going to pick the story up in verse 26. Philip has been to Samaria. He started churches. He's baptized a bunch of people. He's seen God do incredible things. He even baptized the local witch doctor. And now in verse 26, God has a new mission for him. Here we go. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake or the Candace the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over 
and walk along beside the carriage. Bless you. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Philip had seen God work in Samaria. He saw, he saw God do amazing things in people's lives. He saw people humbly and quickly and genuinely respond to the good news of Jesus. And because he's had his own encounter with God, and because he's seen how God works when we follow him, when we obey him, Philip is, is dialed in. I mean, he's, he's ready and he, he's listening for his next assignment from the, from the Holy Spirit. You see, if God has done something good in, in your life, we need to be ready. You need to be ready to share that with others. Who God might speak to you and send you and tell you to, to go and share that good news with, with someone else. If you've experienced the good news, if, if, this, if you've seen it to be true in your life, then you need to be listening, dialed into the Holy Spirit and watching for God's leading in your life to share the good news with others because found people find people. And saved people serve people. Grace is contagious. Love is a virus. Go viral with the goodness, the good news of God. I'm sick and tired of the church going viral for all the wrong reasons. Every time I see an empty church on the news, I want to go nuts. I just, I just I, Gala knows, I just, I just lose it. When they show that nobody's going to church and this church is for sale and this building is empty and they couldn't pay their heat bill and all this. So I just, I just, I just go nuts because that's not the church. That's a group of people who got off mission and off focus. And they probably, truth be told, they probably argued their church right into the ground. The church should be known for love and grace and mercy rather than scandals and sin and stupidity. Philip responds quickly and he follows where God is leading him. Verse 27. The TV's here for me because my eyes, I can't read and hit my page anymore, so... That's half true. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, or your version might say Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. We, we can pause it right there. We have a God collision in the desert. 
Have you ever had one of those God collisions where, where something lines up and collides and you realize that, that this is not a coincidence, that only God could have put this together. Only God could have made this happen. This is a, a God collision in my life. Like showing up to church on a Sunday morning in August, not expecting to get wet. And there is a portable baptism tank right in front of the stage. And your journey and your life and that tank collide on a Sunday morning. This could be the collision in your desert this morning. Now, Philip stays dialed in with the Holy Spirit. If you keep, just stay in tune with God and listen to God and let God lead your life, God will show you that, that conversation that you can have with someone else or bumping into that person and how that's not a coincidence. God will show you all the, the holy collisions that he puts in your life. I love the nicknames in this text. We have uh, Simon the Sorcerer a little earlier in chapter 8 and, and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I don't know what to call the Ethiopian eunuch, but I'm not going to call him the Ethiopian eunuch all morning long, every time I come across him. So I think we'll give him a nickname. We're going to call him Nick. Is that awesome or too graphic? Okay. He, he believes... Stick with me. Focus, focus, focus. He believes in the God of Israel, but he hasn't met Jesus. Like a lot of people we know, they believe in, in, in God, the concept of God. He's out there somewhere. If they had to land somewhere, they would, you know, if it was a yes or no only answer, they'd probably say, yeah, you know, they, they kind of believe in God. But they don't have a relationship with Jesus. So Nick is a seeker. He just needs someone like one of us to come alongside him. And and just help him connect the dots, fill in the blanks, however you want to call it. He He just needs someone to come alongside him. Verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage, the Holy Spirit nudges Philip again. Go closer. Get in there. You see, this, the text is loaded with, with hearing the Holy Spirit, and being led by the Holy Spirit, and obeying the Holy Spirit. Verse 30. Philip runs over. I love the imagery. You got to picture it, right? He's not, he's not dragging his feet. God said, go there. He's like, off he goes. And he runs over. And he hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? Now, Nick just happens to be reading from Isaiah 56. That's the the scripture that he was reading. Isaiah 56, out loud. And Philip, when he hears this man reading this text out loud, I mean, he must have come unglued. He must have... He must have just paused for a second and said, Praise Jesus! Yes, God! Like, God, you're doing it again. God, this is your collision. You lined this up. God, you never fail. I'm chasing a carriage in the desert, and the finance minister of Ethiopia is reading your word out loud. God, how good is God? 
You see, God will lead you where he needs you. You listen, you stay dialed in. You walk with God. Live by the Spirit. God will lead you where he needs you. Sometimes life can feel like chasing carriages in the desert. Sometimes life can be like that. It can be like, why am I here? Why is God letting this happen? What is God's plan for my life? This does not make sense. This doesn't look right. God, I'm listening. I'm trusting. I'm following. I'm obeying. Why do you have me on the road to nowhere eating the dust of an Ethiopian caravan? This doesn't make any sense. Why am I here? Ethiopia was literally the ends of the earth. To the Greeks and the Romans, Ethiopia was as far as they, far as they knew. That was it. When Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and in Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ethiopia, for them, probably was the ends of the earth. It was as far away as they could imagine. Now, for me, that's Graham and Ann. But for them, it was Ethiopia. If you don't know, um, yeah, if you knew this morning, that joke doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'm originally from Graham and Ann, and I like to have fun with it now and then. All right. Philip might be thinking that he's checking off his list. Jerusalem, check. Judea, check. Samaria, we already know that he was, that he was there, and, and God did wonderful things in Samaria. Samaria, check. Ends of the earth, Nick in the carriage heading home to Queen Candace. Check. Ends of the earth. Verse 29. Let's go back to verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to walk alongside Nick's carriage. The carriage would have been surrounded by an entourage of staff accompanying the minister of finance, security, servants, whatever he needed. Apparently, they didn't see the dusty disciple as a threat because he's able to get right, he's able to trot right alongside the carriage and he's able to get close enough to the carriage to hear Nick reading from the book of Isaiah. Now, God might direct you by the Holy Spirit to come alongside someone who needs to have the message of Jesus opened to them. He might ask you to to move in closer, take the next step, Get right in there with them. Get up close enough so that you can hear what's going on in their lives. Uncomfortably close through the the security. You know, we all have kind of a security zone around us that we do. We just don't let people in, right? And God might tell you, get in there. Get as close as you possibly can. Get in with and have a, a closer relationship through the security, through the barriers, through all their defenses and all the, all the things surrounding that person, all of their walls and, and everything that they built up around them. God, God might tell you to break through all that stuff. And it might even be with a stranger. Like, like, like Philip might be wondering, like, what's going to happen here, God? Like, like these people don't know me. And I'm going to run up alongside the carriage through his security and through his staff. I'm just going to get close enough to the carriage that I can, that I can hear what, he, what he's reading. If God is working inside someone, he might bring you alongside someone and use you to help them see Jesus. Right? Now, if you think about it, God probably used someone like that in your life. 
If you know Jesus today, it's a good chance. It's because of a, a, someone who cared enough for you to, to come alongside you and to, and, and to not run away the first time that you put up a little wall or defense or barrier or something like that. Someone who, who cared enough to keep praying for you and, and encouraging you and talking to you and helped you to they open things up so that you could see Jesus clearly. Whoo, I don't know where I am. Philip shows Nick Jesus from within the book of Isaiah, right? He was reading Isaiah 56. And he opens it up and says, it's about Jesus. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. He existed before there was. He is eternal. He is the whole reason for God's story. He's the whole reason for your story. He's not a character in the Bible. He is the word itself. He's the word become flesh. He's not a figure from history. All of history is his story. As Nick found out on his way out of Jerusalem, after going to the temple and going through the routine of offering worship to a God that he didn't have a relationship with, The word of God is alive. It is the very truth of God. It is the breath of heaven. It's our source of joy. It's the answer to fear and doubt. It's the water for your thirst. It's the bread of life. It's the hope of the world. It's the good news because every verse and every word points to God sending his one and only son, born of a virgin, walked without sin. He was crucified on a sinner's cross where he took our punishment, my punishment and paid the price for our sins, my sins. He was dead, buried, sealed in a borrowed tomb, but death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. And he broke forth in glorious light as our resurrected king. And hundreds saw him and they touched him and they ate with him and they listened to him and the church was going viral. This is... This is what Philip did. He must have come unglued. He must have been, oh my goodness, God, I can't believe this. You're reading about Jesus in a 700-year-old text, and it's all about him. Well, and the guy says, tell me, tell me, tell me, is, was the prophet writing, a, was Isaiah writing about himself, or was he writing about someone else? And Philip's like, oh, let me tell you, it's all about Jesus. And he tells him the story of Jesus. And it's the greatest story ever told. The church is going viral. People are still coming to Jesus like this Ethiopian politician and their lives are being radically transformed by the love and the presence of Jesus. In verse 35. uh, So beginning with this same scripture, beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Start where people are at. Start where they're at. Don't jump to the book of Revelation. Wherever someone is at, start there. Verse 36. As they rode along, so Philip's in the carriage now. He's in the carriage. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? As Philip is opening up the word of God, God is opening up Nick's heart. See, you don't need to preach at people. You don't need to judge people. You just need to come alongside them. 
and help them see the truth. Philip, none of you are here because you like to be judged. Man, I can't wait to get to church and get some good judgment. Philip is he's in this carriage. You understand? You get the scene? He's in this carriage riding off to, to who knows where. Sunset, Ethiopia. Like, this carriage is leaving town, right? They're, 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 they're headed to wherever. And um, he's being carried off to Ethiopia. He's going out of his way, not worried about how far he'll have to walk back into town. God went to any distance for you. Be willing to go to any distance for someone else. All right? Oh, I can't do that. And that's not convenient. And la, la, la. Uh, going to ask the band to come join us out here. Verse 36 again. As they rode along, they came to some water. <laughs> and the eunuch said, look. There's water right there. How convenient. Why can't I be baptized? And, and, and he was baptized. It was, it was come to Jesus, understand who Jesus is, and then be baptized. You don't, you don't need to wait. There's no probation period. There's no other hoops to jump through but the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. When you understand who Jesus is and that he died for your sin and that he, he wants to come into your life, he, he wants to have a relationship with you, he, wants to, he just wants to love you and forgive you and fill your life with, with grace and mercy. If you understand that, if you accept that, if you believe in Jesus today, if, if it's your decision to follow him and to live for him and to serve him, then you should be baptized. So here you are. You're, you're, just, you're just doing life. And, and life can be hard. It can be bumpy. It can be dry. And someone comes alongside you for a few minutes on a Sunday morning, the long weekend in August. There in the middle of your desert, it's like there's this perfect opportunity of some water. And this is no coincidence. This is a a holy collision in your desert. God put this together. I mean, we begged and borrowed the, the, the pool, but God brought you here this morning and put all of this together for you. The Holy Spirit has been working in your life. People have been praying, putting this together for you. So I'm going to pray. We have uh, one person who's ready to be baptized this morning. And uh, she'll be first because she, she's been waiting a couple of weeks. And I'm expecting many others to decide right now that today is your day to be baptized and make a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. Jesus. Baptism is, uh, is symbolism. It's symbolic of Jesus being crucified for you, being buried and then rising again with new life. And you being crucified, being 
uh, baptized in the water. It's, it's a symbolism. It's your public uh, declaration of faith in Jesus Christ that, that your old life is being buried in Jesus, that, that your old life is being crucified with Jesus. You're, no, you're, you're taking on a new life with him and you're being washed. And the only thing that can wash away your sins is the blood of Jesus. You're being washed. You're being made new. You're being, his power washing your soul. You're being made clean. And then you come up out of the water as a new creation. Forever changed by the love and mercy and grace of Jesus. So you need to know that you've accepted Jesus as your savior. And I'm going to pray a prayer, uh, giving people that opportunity. Uh, before we open it up for baptism. And uh, there may be others here this morning who maybe you've been a Christian for a while, maybe maybe many years, maybe weeks, months, doesn't matter. Um, and you've, you've not yet, in your decision to follow Jesus, you've not yet been baptized. Maybe you, when you were a baby, someone made that decision for you and they, and they had you christened or sprinkled or... But, but now as an adult or a teenager, you, you, you realize what you're making this decision for yourself. This is your choice to follow Jesus and you need to be baptized. Uh, I would encourage you today to come. Even if, even if everybody in the room would think, I, I would have thought for sure they've been baptized. Who cares? What does that matter? I invite you to come. Now, if you've already been baptized as a follower of Jesus, this is, we, we don't want to be doing, you know, baptizing you over and over. You don't need to be baptized again if you've been baptized once as a follower of Jesus. Um, okay, just a couple more instructions and then I'm going to pray. Uh, you got a couple of options here this morning. You can, the stairs are over here and you can come over to this side. And you can come in. I'm going in the tank like this. I'm going to take my microphone off and my sneakers off. And then I'm going in. And my watch off. My $15 watch from Disney that everybody thinks is an eye watch. You can come as you are. And then after the baptism, you can go out this way. And they'll give you a dry t-shirt, maybe some shorts and a towel. Or you can go that way and get a change and then come in to be baptized right and then and then change again or you can just come down and get wet and stay wet and go home wet you will get wet i'm going to pray a prayer of salvation there's nothing it's not it's not in my words what's important is the decision in your heart the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole entire life is who will i serve who will I serve? And I'm just going to lead anyone who's here this morning who wants to pray a prayer of salvation to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then uh, I'll make my way down here um, to the tank. Pastor Jay is going to lead us in I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Please remain seated as we sing. And if this is your day to be baptized, we invite you to come. Uh, either come and stand here at the front or go off to the side to change. Either way, we invite you to come. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who's here.
who realizes right now in this moment that the most important thing that they need to do right now is invite you to come into their life, to believe in you as their Lord and Savior, to trust you with every area of their life. As they simply say, they can pray this in their heart, they can pray it out loud. As they simply say, Jesus, I believe you are God's son. And I believe that you came to this earth born of a virgin, that you walked a sinless life, and we crucified you on a sinner's cross to pay the price for our sin. That you died, you were buried, and I believe that you rose again. And Jesus, right now in this moment, I'm inviting you to come into my life. And I'm saying, Jesus, that I will follow you, I will serve you, I will love you, uh, I will give you all of my life for the rest of my life. You will be first in my life. I'm inviting your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness to wash over my soul. Make me brand new today. Make me your child. And Jesus, this is, this is more than a decision in a moment. This is for eternity. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. You will be my Lord, my Savior. You will be first in every area of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to become your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.